Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. I can't take any more of the culture of victims fucking nonsense. On the table beside my bed With a short little note Said I had a good time And was written in lipstick red Hey, here's my advice as you transition out of the military. If you work half as hard to get out as you did to get in, you'll get a great job. But if you want to sit on your ass and wait till somebody smashes your door down and says, hey, do you want to make $200,000 playing video games? Yeah, you'll probably starve to death. She's calling my name again. Day's breaking. I waking up. I'm sleeping in. From Ohio, man, I tagged you and Grant on a retweet of a video clip from Tucker Carlson. Not sure you saw. Oh, I did. This guy's standing up in front of an audience in China and says, we have people in the very inside of American Paul, of American power. We have, and we have our old friends, Wall Street. Okay? Now, the question is, is Joe Biden going to crawl back in bed with the Chinese? And we go back to the, in, in, uh, the era of Obama, of Bush, of Bush the Elder, of Billy Clinton in between them? Yeah, this is... Toby Keith is soothing me right now. And will the Biden family ties in the business they did in China, will that come up in all this shit? Or is that just... Uh, that's just that didn't happen. Because if the leftist media in our country doesn't report it, did it really happen? She comes back to me. The answer is it probably didn't. Days breaking, I'm waking up, I'm sleeping in, I'm on a roll now, I gotta know how the stream ends, I'm on a roll now, I gotta know how the stream ends, I'm on a roll now, I gotta know how the soothing sounds of Toby Keith. On your commute this morning. Because you know us, we're all about getting you to work. Mac, we're working at home. Oh, fuck. Well, it's all right. Then we'll just play Toby Keith just for the fuck of it because it makes me feel good. Yeah. The, um, yeah. So, let me... I got another email. Hey, I haven't heard that. Will you play it? 
I don't know if my blood pressure could take it. This guy's shit talking, right? This guy's shit talking. Well, if Mason said he tagged me, like, where did he tag me? On Facebook? Notifications. Um, Tucker Carlson. Monologue. Hold on. Let me see if they that there's a section that talks about. Okay, I've got to find this now. This is the. Uh, hold on. They were doing it, even as they were yelling about Vladimir Putin. In fact, they were doing precisely what they claimed to decry. Okay. Many of the now many this of the, is many of the very people. Many of the very. This is eight minutes long. I don't know that I'll play the whole thing, but what I'll do is I'll play him setting up this video clip. All right. Let me see. So let me do a little. Okay. The video clip starts at about a minute in. So this is Tucker Carlson last night, um, who's about the only guy that I will watch. Um, yeah, I know. Whatever. Um, and the guy he's going to talk about is an economics professor who appears on Chinese television on November 28th discussing Wall Street and international trade. All right. You ready? Here you go. Many of the very people who ranted so hysterically about Russia were, even as they were doing it, even as they were yelling about Vladimir Putin, in fact, they were doing precisely what they claimed to decry. They were working on behalf of a foreign power, our chief global rival, the government of China. The Russia hoax effectively was a diversion. It hid something that is not a hoax at all, but it is real and threatening to all of us. We're going to spend the foreseeable future reporting on the relationship between America's political and financial elites and the communist government of China that has made many of them very rich. Right. Political and financial elites. And again, so the Chinese plan is we're going to take American greed, right, and Western greed, and we are going to stuff it up their ass, right, and we'll take over the world. So Tucker Carlson goes on. But we want to start tonight with the evidence, with a remarkable video. This video was recorded a little over a week ago on November 28th. The man you're about to see speak is a professor from Beijing called Di Dong Cheng. The video comes from an appearance that he made on a Chinese television show about Wall Street and international trade. Di Dong Cheng works at Renmin University in Beijing. He is also, like so many in academia in China, a servant of his country's government. This video was deleted from Chinese social media soon after being uploaded, and there's a reason for that, as you'll see. Now, is this dude long for the planet? When you, when you like, it's like, you know, in The Wizard of Oz, you know when Dorothy goes behind the curtain and sees the old dude and Toto runs back there? And he's like throwing the levers and she discovers like, Whoa! yeah, this is a little glimpse behind the curtain, right? This guy like, hey, we're really sorry. You know, we really don't want to throw you off this cliff, but we kind of have to. You fucking totally fucked that up. You shouldn't have said that on TV. The Trump administration is in a trade war with us. I'll read the subtitles. So why can't we fix the Trump administration? Why between 1992 and 
Did China and the U.S. used to be able to settle all kinds of issues? Well, let me put an aside in here. I'll tell you what Grant would say. Because the United States got on its knees and gave China everything China wanted. Hold on. No matter what kind of crisis we encountered, be it the Yin He incident, what is that? Is that Tiananmen Square? I don't. I didn't think they spoke of that. Hold on, Yin He incident. Ooh, never heard of it. What is it? The Yin He incident occurred after a claim was made in 1993 by the United States that the Chinese-based container ship Yin He was carrying chemical weapons to Iran. Oh, that. Okay, that's the Yin He incident. The bombing of the embassy, or the crashing of the plane, things were resolved in no time, like a couple do with their quarrels, starting at the bedhead but ending at the bed end. We fixed everything in two months. What is the reason? I'm going to throw out something maybe a little bit explosive here. It's just because we have people at the top. Whoa. It's because we have people at the top. Did you hear the laughter? They fucking laughed at the top of America's inner circle of power and influence. We have our old friends, right? Wall Street. There's a lot of garbage floating around the internet right now, a lot of fake things. That video is real. And those subtitles are accurate. We checked today with two different Chinese speakers and confirmed that. What he just said, what you just read on the screen, tells the story. This is as close to a smoking gun as we have ever seen. Quote, we have people at the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence. According to the man you just saw, that has been true for decades. So who are these people and how many of them work in our media and in our government? Well, he didn't say precisely. At one point in the video, he described a Chinese agent working as a vice president at, quote, a top Wall Street financial institution. I can't say more, he explained, without making political trouble. Di Dongsheng did tell his audience that one agent in particular was especially useful, and he goes on at some length about her. He describes her as an American who's lived abroad for many years, who is now a Chinese citizen. And this seems to baffle him a little bit. The Chinese government doesn't allow dual citizenship. Why would they? Why would anyone? Di Zhongsheng seems pleased that the U.S. government is foolish enough to allow it. He explains that this American agent, who lives at least part of the year in Beijing, helped the Chinese government with a propaganda operation in the city of Washington in 2015. And he goes on to describe that in some detail. 
The Obama administration was easy to manipulate, he suggests. They helped. The Chinese had many friends among the Obama people. The problem came when Donald Trump was elected. After that, he says, everything changed. For the past 30 years, 40 years, we have been utilizing the core power of the United States. As I said before, since the 1970s, Wall Street had a very strong influence on the domestic and foreign affairs of the United States. So we had a channel to rely on, Wall Street. But the problem is that after 2008, the status of Wall Street has declined. And most importantly, after 2016. Wall Street can't fix Trump. Why? It's very awkward. Trump had a previous soft default issue with Wall Street. So there was a conflict between them. But I won't go into details. I may not have enough time. So during the U.S.-China trade war, they, Wall Street, tried to help. And I know that. My friends on the U.S. side told me they tried to help. But they couldn't do much. Since the 1970s, he said, and he's an economics professor, you should know, Wall Street has had enormous influence over the way the United States government operates, over American policy. The Chinese government, he says, has enormous influence on Wall Street. And that arrangement worked very well for a long time. Then Donald Trump unexpectedly was elected in 2016, and Wall Street was infuriated. Wall Street can't fix Trump, he said, but they tried. And this solves the mystery. If you're wondering why our political class has stood by and allowed the Chinese government to degrade this country and our way of life, why they've stood by as the Chinese government has flooded the United States with deadly opioids that have killed hundreds of thousands of people, or have stood by as the Chinese government ripped off billions in intellectual property from our companies, there's your answer. Earlier this year, the chairman of Harvard's chemistry department was arrested for taking $50,000 a month from the Communist Party of China. Let me do the math on that. Okay, that's $600,000 a year in return for sending secrets and referring top scientists to Beijing. It barely rated as a scandal. You may not even be aware it happened. Why? Because so many are on the take, in effect. Donald Trump was an impediment to this very lucrative arrangement. And for that reason, Di Zhongsheng explains in the video, America's most powerful elites, and he calls them that, got to work on electing a new president. Again, read the words at the bottom of your screen as he speaks. But now we're seeing Biden was elected. The traditional elite, the political elite, the establishment, 
They were close to Wall Street. So you see that, right? Trump has been saying that Biden's son has some sort of global foundation. Have you noticed that? Who helped him, Biden's son, build the foundations? Got it? There are a lot of deals in all of this. Then, so at such a time, you hear them (laughs) clapping. Oh, Donald Trump, he notes, because the Chinese do pay close attention to what we say here. Donald Trump has complained about Hunter Biden and his ties to the Chinese government. Those are real, he just confirms. So now you know why you weren't allowed to talk about Hunter Biden's laptop, why big business aligned as one, the tech companies and the rest, to suppress that story because they were implicated in it. Back in October, we interviewed a man called Tony Bobolinsky. We interviewed him because no one else would. Tony Bobolinsky was a business partner of the Bidens. Here's what he told us about China. And in a document that you guys have, and uh, I think it's been provided to, you know, to the world, the Chinese referenced that because of their trust in uh, the Biden family, that Chairman Yi and Director Zhang are uh, excited about moving forward in this. And in that document, they referenced loaning $5 million to the BD family. Right. The BD family is the Biden family. What are the implications of this going forward? If Joe Biden is elected president, which could very well happen. How does this constrain his ability to deal with China? Are you asking for my personal opinion? I am. I'm asking for your opinion as someone who's worked with the Chinese. So I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised. I think Joe Biden and the Biden family are compromised with China. Looks like he was right about that. And it looks like the Bidens are far from the only ones who've been compromised. Gordon Chang has been covering this story for an awfully long time. He's a senior fellow at the Gatestone Institute. He's the author- All right. So... Yeah, pretty amazing audio. Um, I saw a clip of that last night. I didn't see that whole thing, right? I didn't see that whole thing. So let me follow that up um, with uh, something that appeared in the Wall Street Journal. This is from John Ratcliffe. He's the uh, director of national intelligence. Headline, China is national security threat number one. Um, I'll just read you the stuff that I highlighted. Uh, One, two, three paragraphs in. Uh, I call its approach to economic espionage, rob, replicate, and replace. China robs U.S. companies of their intellectual property, replicates that technology, and then replaces the U.S. firms in the global marketplace. Take Sinovel. In 2018, a federal jury found the Chinese wind turbine manufacturer guilty of, of stealing trade secrets from America Superconductor. Penalties were imposed, but the damage was done. The theft resulted in the U.S. company losing more than $1 billion in shareholder value and cutting 700 jobs. Today, Sinovel sells wind turbines worldwide as if it built a legitimate business through ingenuity and hard work rather than theft. 
pretty interesting way that he puts it, right? Rob, replicate, and replace. Do that at lower cost because you'll leverage Chinese labor, some of it slave labor, right, in order to extend Chinese influence, all stolen from the United States, to the tune of $500 billion. That's a half of a trillion dollars on an annual basis. The FBI frequently arrest Chinese nationals for stealing research and development secrets until the head of Harvard's chemistry department, you just heard about him, was arrested earlier this year. China was allegedly paying him $50,000 a month as part of a plan to attract top scientists and reward them for stealing information. The professor has pled not guilty to making false statements to U.S. authorities. Three scientists were ousted in 2019 from MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston over concerns about China's theft of cancer research. The U.S. government estimates that China's intellectually, intellectual property theft costs America as much as $500 billion a year or between $4,000 and $6,000 per household. He goes on. China is also developing world-class capabilities in emerging technologies. Its intelligence services use their access to tech firms such as Huawei to enable malicious activities, including the introduction of vulnerabilities into software and equipment. Huawei and other Chinese firms deny this, but China's efforts to dominate the 5G telecommunications will only increase Beijing's opportunity to collect intelligence, disrupt communications, and threaten user privacy worldwide. Quote, I have personally told U.S. allies that using Chinese-owned technology will severely limit America's ability to share vital intelligence with them. That's the 5 I thing, right? Uh, and finally, the last two things. Other nations must understand this is true for them as well. The world is being presented a choice between two wholly incompatible ideologies. China's leaders seek to subordinate the rights of the individual to the will of the Communist Party. They exert government control over companies and subvert the privacy and freedom of their citizens with an authoritarian surveillance. Beijing is prepared for an open-ended period of confrontation with the United States, and Washington should be prepared. Leaders must work across partisan divides to understand the threat speak openly about it, and take action to address it. This is our once-in-a-generation challenge. Americans have always risen to the moment from defeating the scourge of fascism to bringing down the Iron Curtain. This generation will be judged by its response to China's effort to reshape the world in its own image and replace America as the dominant superpower. The intelligence is clear. Our response must be as well. So, pretty interesting, right? I, I, and honestly, I find it stunning that that the Chinese would allow that video somehow or other to get outside of that hall that evening, right? That sounds like something you would hear in the United States. Not something, you know, that that would be allowed in China. But again, I would tell you, you're not seeing it on any other network other than Fox. So, I mean, does it really even occur? Hmm, good question, right? Good question.
Um, and then there's one other thing that I want to, I want to kind of, I took some notes on something somebody sent me. Um, it's called China is both weak and dangerous. And it's about the book, China is China, the nightmare, the grand ambitions of a decaying state written by Dan Blumenthal was published in October of this year. $30 for the hardcover version. Um, let me read you some excerpts from this. China's ambitions are worldwide. Blumenthal points out the 19th century Chinese Communist Party Congress work report delivered by the 19th Chinese Communist Party Congress work report delivered by Chairman Xi in 2017. The report predicts that by mid-century, China will be a prosperous, modern, and strong socialist country with a world-class military. According to Blumenthal, Beijing's struggle for geopolitical mastery will not be limited to Asia. China wants to lead a new world order centered around Chinese power and governed by Chinese-made rules. Even if the Chinese Communist Party is primarily concerned with regional, I'm sorry, with regime survival, its views, it views a Sino-centric, Chinese-centric, international order as essential. A perception of China as the natural center of the world has always served as an important source of domestic legitimacy. How about that shit, right? All right. As she tries to rally China behind a vision of national renewal and achieve the country's grand ambitions on the world stage, he is hamstrung by the reality of China's flaws. When it comes to military matters, China devotes more resources to repressing their own people than to defending against external threats. China is afflicted with each of these challenges, a slowing economy, few friends abroad, and domestic insecurity. And he argues throughout, those are not going away. For these reasons, even as, even as a much more fragile power than it appears, China poses a serious threat to the United States and its allies. Blumenthal notes that, quote, declining powers are no less dangerous than rising ones pointing to Russia's invasion of the Ukraine as an example of a weak power aggressively lashing out at its neighbors. Blumenthal, therefore, carves out an important third way of thinking about China. Many in Washington see China as 10 feet tall. That's the first way. And great power competition as the foremost priority for the United States. The second way of thinking about China is this. Others describe China with serious internal problems which does not pose much of a threat and with Washington in which Washington can continue to cooperate. So because they're flawed, because they will fail, we can cooperate. Ultimately, we can manage this, right? In contrast, Blumenthal's China is both weak and dangerous. Toward the end of the book, Blumenthal asks, What kind of world do we want to live in? The Chinese Communist Party has a clear answer, if not the long-term means to achieve its vision. Yet the Chinese Communist Party 
may have a clear answer, but Washington does not. The 2017 U.S. National Security Strategy of the United States of America correctly diagnosed the problem of great power competition with China, but it did not articulate the desired end state of this rivalry. Blumenthal sketches the outlines of a theory of victory for the United States. This will mean convincing China that such a competition is too costly and could come at the expense of Beijing's crucial goal of regime survival. So it's kind of interesting what Blumenthal argues, right? He goes on, We had previously argued that the United States should seek to revitalize, adapt, and defend the U.S.-led rules-based international system. In the long term, the United States would like China to be a cooperative member of that system, but that will not be possible anytime soon, perhaps not as long as the Chinese Communist Party reigns in Beijing. In the short term, therefore, the United States and its allies must defend the system of economic governance and military threats that Chinese poses and impose serious costs on the Chinese Communist Party when it violates widely held international standards. This strategy must be successful when it, I'm sorry, this strategy will be successful when it changes the minds of China's leaders and, as Blumenthal argues, convinces them that challenging the U.S.-led system is too, difficultly, too difficult and costly, and what is at most at risk is regime survival. So again, pretty interesting little book there. And uh, the book is entitled The China Nightmare, The Grand Ambitions of a Decaying State. So again, China's problem is that, and it's interesting, I have friends that have uh, served in the Marine Corps' Office of Legislative Affairs, and they told me this years ago, I mean, I, I think while we were in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken, that, you know, it's interesting when, you, when you're with a congressional delegation, a CODEL as it's known, and you're going around the world and you go to China, one of the things that, that you, you see is how China's military is arrayed. And it's arrayed substantially against its own population. It's diverse population, population trying to keep it suppressed and all that, that the Chinese military has to do in order to keep the regime in power and not have a revolution in its own, in its own backyard, which will someday come. It always does. So, um, yeah, interesting. So, uh, there you have it. That'll do it on a Wednesday. Um, in hour one, talk about a guy I met while I was walking my dog via the wonders of... Uh, email uh, somebody who I had a conversation with last night uh, who, I've ne- who I'd never met who's uh, walked through the valley of the shadow of death and uh, post-traumatic winning post-traumatic winning has um, changed his life and so um, he's a, he got, he'd never seen the presentation, so I sent him the links to it. 
And uh, and I would make the same offer to you. If you would like to watch it, you know, shoot me an email. Um, let me know. I have to grant you access. Why is that, Mac? Because I don't want it on YouTube. That's what I don't want yet. So, anyway. Yeah. So, let me know. Anyway, don't be afraid to go change somebody's life. You know, the stuff I do is just helping other people based on the experience I have in my life. It's like being a good mechanic. Yeah. Like, I'm a life mechanic. Yeah, because of the things I've done in my life. (laughs) I'm a life mechanic. I have enough reps under the hood in the valley of the shadow of death that I can look at you and say, yeah, hand me that three-quarter inch socket and let me tighten that and you'll be on your way. Yeah. That tool room at the entrance of the valley of the shadow of death, that's really an armory. We're going to give you a map and a compass so you can get your way out. We'll give you a couple weapons so that you can fight your way through and, uh, and you'll be out of there. And then when life shoves you back in that valley, you'll know how to get out of there quicker next time. So that's what it is. So yeah, you don't need to be a therapist. And I'll tell you, most people don't need therapists. Most people that go to them, stop going. Yeah. And when you ask them about it, they're like, meh, not so much. And I'm not bad-mouthing therapists, right? I'm just saying that's the way it is. And if they don't like it, I don't really give a shit, right? So, yeah, so be it. Anyway, it is what it is, right? It is the truth. If you think I'm bullshitting, just start talking to people about it. So, on this Wednesday, have a great day. Don't touch that dial. This program continues right now. So, have an awesome day. Don't be afraid to go change somebody's life. On a Wednesday, I'm out.